Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Sugar Freedom Show. This is your host, Catherine Gordon, the author of Sugar Freedom, and you can find that at sugarfreedom.com. So today, dare to shine. Do you procrastinate? Are you afraid to do the things that you love? Do you practice avoidance? Well, today that's the subject of this episode. So I'm talking about procrastination, perfectionism, fear, and avoidance. And this is connected to the way we eat and the way we way we perform. I remember when I was a child, the only thing I really wanted to do was sing and dance. And then eventually it became act and direct and produce. Well, you've heard the cliche. You know how these things go. But interestingly enough, I had an obstacle. And I've often wondered and I've said, God, why did you make me want to sing and dance and act so much and not just simply deliver me the, the ideal kind of figure, shall we say, that would make it easy for me to do that? One of the things I've come to understood in my 53 years of existence is that, as someone once said, the obstacle is the way. That if we look at our lives, and if you happen to believe that I do, that we're having a physical experience, that it may be that during this time that we're here and we're meant to do whatever we can to develop ourselves and develop relationships and be the best people we can in the time that we have here on earth, perhaps the very fact that we face obstacles, maybe those obstacles are the very things that we push against in order to get stronger, in order to develop ourselves, and in order to live a fuller, richer life. As I've said before, I had to give up sugar and grains in order to stay healthy and energetic and uh, be able to focus on life instead of focusing on food. And I do believe that it's entirely possible that I had to let go of rich, elaborate eating so I could have perhaps a richer, a little bit more elaborate life. And so this is what I've come to and this is how I've come to terms with and become really happy and relaxed with the idea that one day at a time for the rest of the rest of my life, until I learn otherwise, I'm going to let sugar and grains go. But it's not just about what you eat. This particular episode of the show, we'll call it more of a freedom in general episode, is how can we get rid of the fear, the perfectionism, and the procrastination that's blocking us from the things that we, do, that we love to do. And a little bit of homework or now work for you would be, I want you to write down three things that you love to do and three things that you want to create. It is likely that a lot more things are going to come up. I, I have a list of um, ten things that I love more than eating, overeating, and making that list was so easy. There's so many things on that list: playing with my playing with my dogs, romance, you know, spending time with my son, seeing movies, reading books, all of these things. The reality is, though, is that we have a tendency to let go of the things that we really love in order to do the things that um, that make us comfortable. And why do we do that? 
for, well, I'll certainly use myself as an example because I am a horrible, terrible, frightened, perfectionistic procrastinator. I, I have the incredible good fortune to be married to someone who is not a procrastinator. So I have my husband is, he boy, he's one of those do the worst first kind of people. He gets things done. So I'm able to watch how he manages his tasks. And very often I'm simply in awe. And what I've learned from being in love with and living with for um, 17 years, somebody who does the worst first and doesn't procrastinate, and I look at him and I say, what is the difference between his behavior and my behavior? Why does he seem to be able to get these things done that I avoid? And the number one thing that I see in him is he does not need approval in the same way that I do. Because my need for approval creates perfectionism, creates fear, and that's what creates the procrastination. Now, that's kind of the very, like, dignified answer. There is a less dignified answer, and the less dignified answer is that I love comfort, immediate comfort, comfort right now in this moment. Um, So many of us have had experiences in our childhood that were frightening or traumatic. Now, there's a really good chance that my love of comfort comes from my character, but there was an episode in in my childhood, two or three episodes actually, that did create what I call the birth of fear. One of them was my mother losing my little sister very, very shortly after she was born when I was four years old. And one of my first memories is of uh, of my daddy telling my older sister that mommy was not bringing uh, the baby home. And, of course, that's I was pretending to be asleep, and that's what you get for eavesdropping on people. The other experience was uh, then the loss of my father at a very, very early age when I was six. And I do know that my eating behavior, my compulsive overeating behavior, I can remember quite clearly uh, turning to food at that point because it did ease the fear. Now, in terms of my character, uh, those were experiences, those were traumatic experiences, and very often if you study um, binge eating disorder, often you can find in subjects who suffer from it, there is a traumatic experience that tends to be a trigger for the, for the behavior, and that was, the, that was true in my case. But I also have to admit and acknowledge that there is something in my character that is very, very, very comfort and relaxation and fun and and fun-loving. The fun-loving part is good. The comfort-loving part isn't, you know, it isn't, you know, horrible and, and immoral, but it does get in the way of the things that I want to do, the things I want to experience, and the things I want to create. And I think it's very possible that if you're listening to this program that you may be experiencing these same things. The great question is, is that if you have a talent or a love for something and you're avoiding it, you're not expressing it, you're not creating what you want to create and doing what you want to do, Let's take a look at that and let's see if we can come up with some strategies for overcoming that and getting you moving and getting you in motion again. 
So why do we procrastinate on the things we love? Once again, three possible reasons are perfectionism, procrastination, avoidance, and fear. So let's go ahead and take the perfectionism first, because if you can get over and through this, I have found you can really get to the point where you get very functional and you start doing things and experiencing things. And here is an expression, and this is from Voltaire, that has been so powerful and so helpful for me in uh, writing, writing my book, which was uh, <laughs> Keep the Change, Transform Your Body for Good, Writing Sugar Freedom, Doing This Podcast, Becoming a Certified Personal Trainer. Uh, it, wow, so many of the things that I have actually done that I really think made a difference in the world and have helped other people have all been made possible <laughs> in part because of this saying, and here it is, it is this, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Now, if you're not a perfectionist, you may not need this saying, but if you are a perfectionist and you are stalling and you're procrastinating on the things that you passionately want to do, use this, the perfect is the enemy of the good, and get it done. Good and done is far superior to perfect and never done. So go for good. Dare to be good. Dare to go for good and create what you want to create. Let's go ahead and go on with that, looking at perfectionism and looking at how perfectionism stops us. So once again, my three great passions, dancing, singing, and acting. These are three things that I love enough that I'm willing to fail at them, willing to do them badly, even in front of other people, in order to get the opportunity to get better. One of the best things to look at in in this concern is dancing. Now, I started dancing late for a girl. Um, Most young ladies start dancing around eight years old, and I didn't take my first dance class until I was 19. So I I took my first dance class in in the basement of Holy Cross Hall at the University of Notre Dame. I went to St. Mary's College, um, which is a women's school, and our theater departments were combined at that time. So you had to get on a bus early in the morning and, you know, take the bus across to the Notre Dame campus. And then the basement of Holy Cross Hall was their party room. And I remember that ballet was on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. And very often there would have been like beer bashes over the weekend and the whole place. It had a beautiful marley floor. I don't know how they protected it during the parties. But, um, but the whole place, oh, my gosh, I still remember the smell of stale beer. But anyway, that was years ago. This would have been way back in uh, 1983. So I'm in this beginning ballet class. Well, it wasn't really Billy, you know, it was ballet one. And there were probably about 15, 20 girls in the class, and without a doubt, I'm like bottom of the barrel, people, the worst. No clue what I'm doing. And most of the, most of the young ladies in the class, the women in the class, excuse me, um, had had a number of years of, of, of ballet. They'd been studying ballet, and they just did happen to fit into their schedule. And I worked very, very hard. And I remember, oh my gosh, my leotards were all wrong. I was wearing these, like, Olivia Newton-John leotards, and everybody else was, like, you know, in black leotards and pink tights, and I had no idea what I was doing. My leotards were so ridiculous, I actually had a leotard with shoulder pads. That's how ridiculous these leotards were. And I remember my teacher uh, telling me, 
that I couldn't go in that I could go into ballet two the next year if I could manage to do the splits. <laughs> so of course I did manage to do it and I worked really hard. But the thing is is that I wanted to dance so badly that I was willing to be not just not the best, I was willing to be the worst. And if you would stop and think, get out your notebook, <laughs> take your notes, are there things that you love so much that you're actually willing to be bad at them, willing not to be the best at them, actually even that you're willing to move up to a level where you're actually the worst. And for me, that would be in dance. I'm also just learning to learn the piano, and I'm starting to do to what we call run agility with my Australian shepherd, Dimitri. And I am so willing to take my dog down to the Humane Society where the, uh, where the kennel club is teaching the obedience classes, excuse me, agility classes, and I am willing to be a beginner and willing to be the worst in order to learn. And Dimitri and I are learning a lot every day. So you've got the three things you love to do. I'll give you three. Obviously, I love to act, sing, and dance more than I love to overeat. We are going to connect this to overeating if you don't mind because, of course, this is a health and fitness podcast as well. And then also three things that you want to create. So if you look at acting, singing, and dancing, um, these are things that, you know, opportunities that I'm looking for from other people. You know, will you hire me? Uh, things you want to create are things that you actually have control over that you can that you can make. So I'll give you an example. Do you want to write a poem? Do you want to um, make healthy recipes, or would you do you want to plant a garden? So these are things that you want to create. So things you love to do, experiences, things you want to create, things you actually want to bring into the world. And so if you can make a list of these things and then establish a time and a structure for your eating, one of the things that you can do is you can get very clear and you can say, okay, there is breakfast time, lunch time, and dinner time. Um, I don't eat between meals, but if you do find that you do need a snack, what I would ask you very practically to do is establish those particular times and then commit to them, stick to them. If you need a snack, I understand, do a snack. I don't need a snack. I'm on a ketogenic diet, and I eat a meal, and I'm full for hours. But if you're using an eating structure where you do need a snack, commit to that. And then if you find that there is an impulse down inside you that's telling you, oh, I want to eat anyway, admit, be aware and accept the fact that you have established a pattern for when you're going to eat and then say to yourself, no, this is an opportunity to step away from what I really want to do and to practice avoidance by eating. So I'm going to get into avoidance in just a moment. This is, um, we're going to go from perfectionism to avoidance because I think avoidance is incredibly prevalent and prominent in those of us who overeat and also in those of us who don't, who don't create and experience what we want to create and experience. So you've set up your eating schedule, and if something is pulling you away from it, accept it, acknowledge it, and then find something on this list that you're going to do instead. And if for some reason you're not willing to do that, 
then this is time when you might need a coach or somebody to to guide you and somebody to be accountable to. Um, and of course, I do coaching. You can connect. You can contact me, Catherine at SugarFreedom.com, um, if you're looking for coaching in your nutrition and your fitness program. Let's move on to avoidance. Why in the world do we choose eating, Facebook, maybe playing video games, maybe playing games on your phone? Uh, for me, I will literally, like all of a sudden, I'll get really tired and want to take a nap. And these are my avoidance behaviors. Another big avoidance behavior that I'm using these days is checking all of the news sites, Right? There's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the news these days. We're living in interesting times. And I found myself using the news in order to avoid the things that I, that I really am passionate about doing. And I'll tell you, even if you look at, for example, I have to um, get insurance for a show that I'm producing with my husband and a workshop that I'm producing with my husband. Now, Signing up for for a writer on your insurance policy, oh, doesn't that sound like fun? Not exactly. Now, this is just the kind of thing that I'm going to avoid and procrastinate on. So what I have to do is connected to the fact that in the workshop and then the showcase that we're doing, I get to sing and dance. So these are the things I absolutely love to do. So my willingness to get on the computer and fill out the paperwork or get on the phone and set up this insurance writer, this allows me to do the thing, thing that I love. So what I want you to do is look at the things that you want to do, that you love to do, the things that you want to create, and connect anything that you're avoiding, anything that you're procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating on to what you want to do, what you want to want to create. And this works incredibly well for your training and health and fitness practice. So go ahead and schedule your training sessions and understand that you've committed to them. Be aware that you have a tendency toward procrastination, perfectionism, and avoidance. And then use that scheduling to really become aware, become committed, and take action. So let's move on into, let's go ahead and go into the big one, which is fear. So one of the reasons that I have procrastinated on some tasks that I need to do for the workshop and showcase that we're producing is fear. What if people don't want to participate? What if nobody comes? All right, so those are the big fears. I mean, if you're a producer and you're in show business in, in any way, shape, or form, big time or not so big time, these are the things you have to confront. What if I can't cast it? Um, what if I can't get an audience to come? And so the way that you deal with these fears is very, very practical. And actually my husband got to speak at his uh, – um, he teaches and he got to speak at eighth grade, eighth grade graduation and he talked about some of these things as well at, at last night at the graduation. All right, so dealing with fear. What are you afraid of? And ask yourself the fear questions. One, is it real? I mean, is it actually something to be afraid of? And let's go ahead and take the example of putting on a show. Yeah, certainly, if nobody wants to be in it, yeah, that's that's frightening. You can't really, unless you're just doing a series of monologues, 
you, you really that's that is a problem, and that is something to be concerned about. And what if nobody comes? So yeah, those are actually le- legitimate fears. I mean, very often, if there's something you really want to do, yeah, there's there's risk involved. So okay, so maybe that fear is real. So let's ask question number two: Is it likely? And with our experience, my husband and I, it is highly unlikely that no one will want to participate. Even if that was the case, you know what? You know, I would get up there and sing and talk for an hour. And if you know me, believe me, I'm capable of doing just that. But is it likely? It is highly unlikely that we would be unable to get people to join us in this project. Is it likely that nobody is going to want to come? Uh, that is highly unlikely as well. The, the, the reality is, is that if you do spend some time and you can manage to develop a reputation for offering something that people want to participate in and offer something that people want to watch, that it's going to be unlikely that it will be completely rejected. Now, I have had, we did have a situation a couple of years ago where we did a performance out of town uh, and the audiences were smaller than we expected. But the truth was is that we put on the best show that we could and even with the small audience, we were able to make back what we spent, make some money and then make the donation that we were planning to make to the facility where we had held the show. So it all worked out fine like I said, you know, the we have had the wonderful of opportunity of performing to sold out houses, and I've also had the experience of performing to very small houses. And the reality is, I made it through. We survived. We learned 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 a lot. So that's another thing that you can look at in your fear: is it real? Is it likely? And even if it's not your worst case scenario, but some things don't go perfectly, that leads us to the final question. And the final question is, is it worth it? And the truth is, is that if you look at the things that you want passionately and you want to do passionately and you want to participate in, even if they don't go perfectly, very, very often you can look at this final question, that final question for dealing with fear, and you can ask yourself, is it worth it? And if you've given yourself the, the opportunity to do what you love, the answer is going to be yes. Yes. Caveat. When we're looking at, especially in the arts, or we're looking at creativity, you do want to make sure that you're, you're going to do your best in that situation because the one area where you can go ahead and do something you love and something you care about and if there is, if the result is not what you wanted, there's one area where you might end up in regret, and that would be is if you did not do your best in that situation. So that is the modifier. You're going to go ahead and take a risk, but you're going to need to be willing to do your best. Now, it is highly likely that your best isn't going to be perfect. Because if you were perfect, my goodness, who knows where you would be. You might be on the West End in London. But you're going to do the best you can in the situation that you're in. Because this is how we get started. This is how we learn. It is very rare to see anyone have extreme success in their first painting, their first poem, 
their first dance, their first song. And I know from personal experience, not only from what I've experienced, but from the opportunity to work with and coach people, is that very often people who start out and their first experience is just a mess, very often if they are persistent and willing to work, they end up being just wonderful and absolutely extraordinary. So there's, okay, so now we've looked at perfectionism, avoidance, and fear. And of course, procrastination, putting things on, is the essence of perfectionism, avoidance, and fear. So let's move on into, all right then, what do we discover that we want to do, that we love to do, that we love more than overeating and overconsuming? And if you're not an overeater, there might be other things that you overconsume. It might be, it, it might be uh, video games. It might be, I have a tendency to get stuck on Facebook. Um, I get caught up in these things. So maybe, maybe your issue, your avoidance issue um, isn't food, but these these techniques can still work for you. And it, whatever your avoidance issue is and whatever your comfort tool is, we're going into the next area of discovering what it is that you love more than that activity that's holding you back. And I have to acknowledge a question asked by the author Clarissa Pinkola Estes. I was listening to an audio book that she had written. And in this audio book, she, she asks, and she's mostly talking to women, but she's talking to men too. What did you love to do when you were 10 years old? And the idea was, and I'm not saying that every 10-year-old doesn't have the kind of crushing, you know, some 10-year-olds do have extraordinary responsibilities. But let us, let's imagine for a moment that you're 10 years old and you're in a relatively safe and functional environment. What were the things that you loved to do then? Take some time and jot down some of those things. And then at that point, I loved, I loved, I loved horses, I loved dogs, I loved to sing, I loved to dance, and even at that point, I loved to act. Interestingly enough, at that point, I also still loved dolls. And the reason I loved dolls is because I liked to dress them in beautiful clothes. So fashion was still an element of that. And this brings me to, are we in our society, in our culture, living our lives as fully as we can. And I do believe that one of the reasons that we may be over-consuming food and social media and watched entertainment, entertainment that we sit and watch, is that we stopped participating in the things that we love. For example, if as a little girl you were like me and you loved dolls and you loved to dress your dolls in beautiful clothes, and then perhaps you loved beautiful clothes, are we, are we letting fashion and style and that kind of beauty go simply for comfort and speed and expedience? Also, are we giving in to a society that tells us that, you know, unless, you're, unless, you're, unless you wear a small size, that it isn't part of your life to be interested in style and fashion? And I think this is... This is so important as men and women that we consider the idea that we might want to spend some more time, um, you know, even, even outside of church or going out for your birthday dinner or your ad anniversary, that we might start to consider bringing style back into the way we dress and the way we think. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why. 
clothing of a higher style is generally clothing of a higher quality, and you may spend more for it, but you may also care for it better, and it may be likely that it will cause less weight. Excuse me, less weight. There is an interesting slip there, that it will cause less waste. So what I am not saying is, you know, go to the point where you have to use a credit card to do this. But what I am saying is that within your budget for clothing and apparel, you might want to say, well, maybe I won't buy quite as many T-shirts so that I can buy a nice blouse. And that maybe if I usually buy more than one purse, maybe I'll only get one and get one of a higher quality and then, and then hang on to it. There is, there is a balance of quality that if you're willing to save for something that is of higher quality, you may use that for five or ten years and end up saving not only an extraordinary amount, amount of money but also eliminating an extraordinary amount of waste. And then, of course, the other thing you can do is that if, if there's something that is of quality and you really don't want it anymore and you're not using it anymore, items of quality, whether they, they be purses or, or, or slacks or blazers, a quality item is something that you're going to be able to take um, maybe to a consignment store or definitely to a thrift store and or definitely to uh, make a charitable contribution. And that item is something that is definitely going to be Ad- admired and desired and passed on and heaven forbid is not going to end up in a landfill somewhere. So once again, looking looking at quality. So those are the subjects on finding what you love and doing what you love instead of simply eating what you want or looking for avoidance or looking for comfort. So I do want to go on to Paolo Coelho. <laughs> Coelho. <laughs> I actually looked up the pronunciation of that and listened to it very times, very many times. Who wrote The Alchemist? And the reason I wrote went back to The Alchemist, which I listened to um, on an audio book earlier this year, narrated by Jeremy Irons. It was fantastic. If you like audio books, I really hope that you listen to this one. But one of the at the heart of The Alchemist, and this is not a spoiler, the book is so wonderful, is the concept of finding your personal legend. And, of course, Paolo Coelho talks about this on YouTube himself, so I'm not giving it up. So in terms of your personal legend, what is it that you personally have to offer that is going to be, well, legendary? You know, Maybe the whole world won't know your name, but that the people who knew you, that this will be part of your personal legend and what you create. And he talked about the things that it takes to bring that personal legend into the world. And he said two things in a video I saw of his on YouTube that really stuck with me. Number one was pay attention, and number two was take risks. And so as I wrap up this section of this podcast, pay attention. In order to pay attention, you have to be silent, you have to listen, and you have to watch. So number one is pay attention, especially if you're a very extroverted, joining, bouncy person like me. Very often, you're, you're talking so much and you're talking so fast that you're not taking time to pay attention and listen. So if you're like me, even if you're not like me, if, even if you're an introvert, because an introvert you might shut down and stop paying attention, look up, pay attention, watch and listen. And then number two, he said to take risks. 
Now, you want to take wise risks, not the ones that risk your life and limb. But if it's not your life and limb involved, if it's just your ego that you're risking, go ahead and take that risk. So here's the point in the podcast that I want to, because I'm going to share this podcast to uh, to my friends on, on Facebook and on Twitter, this is the time that if you're in Tuolumne County and you're an actor, singer, dancer, poet, writer, storyteller, this is the time, this is my call to action. Now, of course, this is June 9th of 2017, so if you're listening to this later, this may already have happened, which is why I'm putting it at the end of the podcast. Um, Catherine at sugarfreedom uh, Catherine at sugarfreedom.com contact me what we're doing is the is this workshop is this master class the master class is free this is happening at the Mayak theater and we're having it on Thursday the 29th and Friday the 30th and then we're having public showcases on Sunday the 1st at uh, sorry and Saturday the 1st at 2 and Sunday the 2nd sorry Saturday the 1st at 7 p.m. and Sunday the 2nd at 2 p.m. It's all on the flyer that you can find at katherinetraining.com, which is spelled C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G.com. That schedule and that flyer is posted there. So in, in general, this is, you know, you're, if you have some experience, it's very helpful. Uh this is also the reason we decided to do this is very often there are so many opportunities for our young people up to high school age to participate in something like this. There are workshops and there are programs uh, that go on in the summer, and we really wanted to offer something for the, um, the, the talented adult amateur and even the interested professional who wants to get in front of some of their peers and uh, get some feedback on their work and then also have an opportunity to present it. So if, you're, if you have some experience in acting, singing, dancing, musical theater, theater in general, poetry, come and bring us your stuff. If it's music, it does need to be recorded so we can put it through the system. If you are farther along and a working professional, hey, we'd love to have you on the panel. Also, if there's something that you would like to try out, one of, the, one of the reasons that I'm putting this piece on, and it's called Dare to Shine, is it's an opportunity. Very often there are things that we love to present, either a, a song or a dance or a scene or a monologue, that would not necessarily be something that we would be cast as. Either um, the local theaters don't do that kind of work, or perhaps it's slightly outside of our type if there's something that you want to bring that's a little bit different that allows you to stretch and allows you to read a little bit, reach a little bit, this is exactly what, why we're doing this. This is exactly what it's for. We're not charging for this, so what we are doing is we're charging for the showcase, and that's $10 a ticket, and you can just simply buy those at the box office. So, so there's the deal, and there's the story, and uh, we're so excited to be doing this project. So the point of the podcast is dare to shine, overcome procrastination by doing what you love and the understanding that it's going to be much more easier to eat what's nutritious for you and what supports your goals and to train in a way that supports your goals if you know your why and the why is something you really, really love to do or something you would really love to create. So that's our podcast for today, and I certainly enjoyed sharing these tips with you. 
at the very, very minimum, please write down three things you love to do and three things you want to create that are more important to you than overeating. So I'm going to say bye-bye. This is Catherine Gordon for the Sugar Freedom Show, and I'll talk to you next week with another Freedom Friday. And next week's episode, the plan is right here, Friday, 9.30 Pacific. Have a great weekend. Stay strong. Eat in order to support and to fuel the things you love. Bye-bye, everybody.